You might have heard the expression that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. It expresses this reality that many times we have a desire to do good or sometimes we, we have an idea, but then we don't take them into practice. We don't move finally into action. We stay in wishful thinking. And this parable of the talents you could approach it through many lenses, it has so many good ideas, but I invite you to look at it through the idea of the good that is not done, or more precisely, the idea of omission. You know that in Catholic spirituality, we have two types of sins, the sins of commission, the things we do, and, or the words we do, so we commit a sin by doing. But also we have what we call sins of omission. Things that we are supposed to do. Words that we are supposed to say and we don't do or we don't say. It's not so much an evil that is present, but a good that is absent. And I think it's important to speak about omission because many times we have this mentality or maybe you know people who have this mentality. Like, to be a Christian is not to do bad things. And this is expressed many times I go to, like maybe a caring place and ask this old man, like, do you wanna go to confession? He says, Father, I'm 80, I'm in this place, I don't rob any bank, I don't kill anyone, like, I don't do nothing, I do nothing bad. Many times we, we could suit Christianity as avoiding evil, of not doing bad things. And don't get me wrong, I mean, that's part of the equation, no? Like, uh, but that's half of the equation. The other half is to do what is good. That's the first principle of natural law, avoid evil and do what is good. So the sense of commission is doing what is evil. The sense of omission is not doing the good that we're supposed to do. In the letter of James, James says, the one who knows what is the right thing to do and does not do it, it is a sin. James 4.17. If you know what is the right thing to do and you don't do it, well, that's something that is not pleasing to God. So why the parable of the talent is in some way an example or illustration of a sin of omission? Well, basically, because it, it portrays these two types of people. The first type is the first two servants. They get five talents one, two talents the other one. Immediately, they trade them. They kind of invest. They do good works. They uh, work hard. And then the master comes and says, good and faithful servant, through your action, through your love, through your service, through all the good you do, or you did, you became better. Come enter the master's joy. By the way, a talent is a measure of, of value. It was a coin, either of silver or gold, but it was a lot of money. One talent was more or less 20 to 30 years of work. So the guy who got one talent, he got a lot of money, almost like, almost his whole life of salary, 
he got his retirement even before starting to work. The guy who got five talents, he got like money for two, two lives almost. So it's not that one got the short stick, no, like one talent it was a lot of money. Anyway, the guy who buried the talent is called by the master with these adjectives, wicked, lazy, and useless. I don't want to be before Jesus and say, Ignacio, you are wicked, you are lazy, and you are useless. You are an unuseless instrument of the kingdom. Why? Because you don't do all the good I wanted you to do. I did not expect you to do the same money than the other guys. But at least you could have put it in the bank. That was the good that was expected. And you didn't do the good that was expected. You didn't good, do the good that you were capable. You buried the talent. And that's very grave. Christianity is not only avoiding evil. It's above all about bearing fruit. This is all over the New Testament. Think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is good because he went to the man who was suffering. He did the good that was expected. But before him, the Levite and the priest did nothing wrong. But they did not do the good that God was expecting them to do. Help the man who was agonizing. Abraham and Lazarus are in heaven and they have this dialogue with the rich man. Lazarus was every day at the door of this rich man. The rich man did nothing evil. He did not beat up Lazarus. He did not uh, say bad words to him. But he did the sin of omission. He did not do the good that he was supposed to do to that man. And then, if you fast forward Matthew 25, right after this parable, the goat and the sheep. This is all the goats, you're all the sheep. Why are the goats goats? Because of omission. I was thirsty and you did not give me to drink. I was hungry and you did not give me to eat. Did you do something wrong? No. Did they do evil? No. But they didn't do the good that was expected them to do. This is the gravity of omission the New Testament is pointing out. It should change our way of thinking a little bit. You could go deeper and say, why is so grave? Well, the parable tells three hints why omission is so great. One, because the lack of fruit is something that is not good. I mean, this is pretty obvious. God was expecting this man to gain some interest. If you are like me, you, you might think, okay, one talent, that's not much, and then interest rates in the United States are very low. But thinking this way, one talent, as we said, was a lot of money. And this guy, the master, delayed a long time so this was basically an endowment found he could have created. It could be millions he's wasting. That's a lack of fruit. So omission is bad 
because there is a lack of fruit that God is intending in the world. If someone is suffering and needs a word of consolation and needs your company and the Lord inspires you to go and visit or speak to that person and you don't do it, there's a lack of good that is present. If God wants to expand the light of Christ in your family and your workplace and you out of fear or laziness, you don't speak, you don't share your faith, there's a lack of light. The world is darker because of our laziness and because of our fear. And the list could continue. Sometimes we think that Satan is busy inviting us to sin, what we call temptation, invitation, prompting to evil. And that is true. He's very busy doing that. But I think there's a silent tactic of Satan that many times we don't realize. And it's preventing the inspirations of God to move forward. Many times God introduces an idea in the mind, in the heart of someone, something he wants to do through someone. But then Satan comes and says, no, that's so difficult. This could happen. Look at your motivations. Maybe you don't have a pure motivation. No, you are going to do that. No. They should choose him. They should choose her. Stay quiet. Stay there. And all these doubts. And then you stay where you are. And this seed that God planted does not bear fruit. Satan is busy both inviting us to do evil, but also preventing the movements of the Holy Spirit to move forward. The second reason why omission is grave is because omission and idleness, they corrupt us. Think of this, that the first two servants, through love and charity, they became good and faithful. They improved themselves. Through service, through love, through a life of charity, you become the best version of yourself. But when you are lazy, when you are fearful, when you are useless, when you are in this area of omission, you become corrupted. This is what the parable is saying. I think that if you read deeper into it, the master is so hard with this servant because basically he sees the selfishness of the servant. Wicked, lazy, fearful, useless, selfish servant. Behind of of the omissions in our lives, many times there is a lack of commitment. Many times there is a sense of, I have so much money. I have this talent. Who cares for others? This is my life. That's not the gospel mentality. That's why Jesus says, be careful. Omissions are grave. Finally, omission is connected with sadness, bitterness. Proactivity, love, service, being active in good works, 
is connected with entering the master's joy. Come and enter the joy of the master. Good and faithful servant, come. You have worked hard. You have lived a life of service. Come and now enter the joy. It's so easy to, to realize this. Many times when we feel this call to do something, to help someone, to do an act of love, and we don't do it, when we miss the window of opportunity, there's some sense of regret, some sense of sadness that kind of takes possession of our hearts. So the type of life Jesus is inviting us is a life of joy. The life of omission is a life of regret, bitterness, and ultimately sadness, because it's a life of selfishness. So, this is me. This last servant is me, and it's you. I mean, I don't know all of you, but I sense because we are in a broken world. We are this servant. Many times, out of fear, out of selfishness, out of laziness, we prevent the goodness of God, the action of the Holy Spirit, the fruitfulness that God wants to move and work through us. So this is a strong warning from the Lord. So not only sins of commission, but also be careful with the sins of omission. So this week, I invite you to think in these two things. One, pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to the needs around you. Pay attention to the windows of opportunity that life brings to you. Most of the good that is around us is possible not to do it. It's very subtle. It could happen or it could not happen. A lot is connected with your receptivity, with your connectivity with reality. So pay attention to how life is calling you to do good. And second, try to do it quickly, like the first two servants, immediately. If you feel an inspiration to call someone, do it. I mean, if you're driving or if you're doing something, like, don't do it, no? Like, uh, but most of the times we kind of harbor or think too much. It's just like from the Holy Spirit. I mean, yes, it demands some discernment. I, I don't say that you should blindly do, but try to be more prompt to act in what is good and examine your conscience at the end of the day. How was my day filled with good fruits? Did I did all the good that God wanted me to do? That's how we can begin to be like the first two servants. To conclude, let me give you this beautiful quote of Galatians, Paul who did so much good, he says, do not grow tired of doing good. Do not grow tired. Do not get discouraged. In due time, we shall reap our harvest. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all. That should be a Christian. Not only to avoid evil, but to do all the good we can and we are supposed to do. And that's why we come to this altar.
to receive the love and the charity, the commitment, the service of the resurrected Christ burning inside your heart.